And we're live. Hey, everyone following us on the live stream and listening to us on your podcasting catcher, maybe watching us on the YouTubes. We're going to be talking a little bit about these Saturday games because why not? There's a lot of baseball bouncing around, and you've got to be quick if you want to catch it in time. Guess what, folks? This is Locked On MLB. You are Locked On MLB. Your daily MLB podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hello, baseball fans, and welcome to Locked On MLB, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, where it's your team every day. This is the daily podcast. We talk about all of Major League Baseball. I am your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Look, where is that lower third? There I am. You feel free to call me Sully. I am an Emmy-nominated television producer who has been a stand-up comedian, a filmmaker, a writer, and I've been a podcaster of baseball for well over a decade, and we're approaching the end of my fourth full season as a podcaster here for the Lockdown Podcast Network, where it's your team every day. I think I already said that. Follow us on Twitter at, and on Instagram at Lockdown MLB Pods. And you can follow me. I'm your pal Sully. Where is it? There, there it is. I'm at Sully Baseball on Twitter, Sully Baseball Podcast on Instagram. Why am I dropping uh, this podcast on a Sunday? We're going to do the Billard Podcast. Uh, it's going to be dropping on Monday. The reason is there's stuff happening so fast and so furious that, uh, you know, by the time we talk about Saturday's games for the Monday podcast, it'll be, everything will be flipped over. So I'm just trying to create some of this on on the record here. You know, I'm going to be doing, I I may be doing a podcast every day until the end of the postseason. Maybe not. I don't know. There may be hard to do it quite that much, but, uh, there's just a lot happens. It's happening really fast and everything. Hey, uh, it looks like there's a couple of people showing up on the uh, stream there. If you have anything you want me to talk about, just type it into the chat. I have some stuff. For, hey, David Samuel Blaine is back. Dodgers won six, beating the Cardinals. Dodgers are just absolutely on a, on a rampage. And right now, they are sitting at 105 wins. All they have to do is win. Two more games, and they'll have the highest win total in the history of the Dodgers franchise between Brooklyn and Los Angeles. If they win two games, in so right now they've played 152. So if they win their next two games, they will have set the Dodgers single-season franchise record in 154 games. So even based upon the old schedule, this would be their greatest win total. Hey, Jace Peer is here. How you doing? Thanks for listening to the show. We're getting seeing some of the regulars here. Hey, uh, let's give a shout out to big shout out. One thing I want to talk about are the Cleveland Guardians. The Cleveland Guardians. Twenty days ago, the Guardians and the Twins were tied. Now the Guardians have an eleven-game lead on the Minnesota Twins and with and they they can clinch tomorrow. All Cleveland has to do is beat the Texas Rangers and they will be the champions of the American League Central. 
I mean, that's putting the aft thrusters on. And if you are a team like, uh, if you're a team like Cleveland, where you know you're probably going to have to play that wild card series. I mean, you know, catching the Yankees as Jace Pierre, you know, just very proudly pronounced the Yankees won today. I know I'll get to the Yankee game in a second, but give Cleveland all the credit in the world. If they win tomorrow, they clinch. Okay. And that will be a seven game win streak for Cleveland. If they pull that off, what is something now, David, you may know this Jace, You may know this people who are the regulars may know this. I have something and I, and I'll, and I'll stand by this. It's never the wrong time to win seven games in a row. It's never the wrong time to win an entire week of games in a row. Doesn't matter if it's April or September. It's never the wrong time to do that. But when you get to this point of the year where you can absolutely just uh, bulldoze and, you know, call it, call it a day, the American League divisions are all wrapped up. And Cleveland is going to do that be able to line up their pitching staff exactly the way they want. It's a unique situation. They have about uh, 10 games left to play, 10, 11 games left to play. If they win tomorrow, then even though they know they're going to have to play the the wild card round, they can rest who they want to rest. They can try some things out along the way. They're not going to catch the Yankees, but they can't fall farther because they're a division winner. So they're going to have about 10 games to sort of tinker, try things, get some rest, get everyone ready to go, knowing that they'll have to play either uh, Tampa Bay or Toronto or Seattle along the way. So, you know, good for Cleveland. Good for Cleveland for showing some guts. Good for Cleveland for showing some glory there. Uh, now, Jace and David are doing currently having a Yankee love-in in my comments section in the chat. Not sure how thrilled I am about that, you two, but come on, keep going. Um, the Yankees defeated the Red Sox again. It's so funny. You know when they scheduled this game between the Red Sox and Yankees this point of the year. I thought, I mean, look what happened last year. The two teams played each other in the wild card game. This looked like it was made, could be a potentially interesting game. The Red Sox are about to get swept again by the Yankees, and I'm just numb. That's there's no there's no other word for it. It's just numb. I I felt nothing. You know, I mean, I I'd like him to win, but at this point, you know, they're going to be in last place, and this sort of weird recent trend with the Red Sox continues, where they're either a playoff team or a last place team. Now think about that. Since the Great Collapse of 2011, last place in 2012. Won the World Series 2013, last place 2014, last place 2015, won the division in 2016, 17, and 18, won the World Series in 2018. The one outliers 2019 where they were mediocre. They had a winning season, but they didn't really contend. Last place in COVID. Last year, they got to two wins away from the World Series. Last place this year. There seems to be no middle ground for the Red Sox. They're either in last place or in the postseason. And this is one of those years where they're in last place. There you go. Now, the Yankees won. They got a bunch of home runs, just not from the person that everyone wanted one from. And it got to the point where the Yankees had a two-run lead in the ninth inning. 
when the Red Sox were rallying, and you got the sense that Yankee fans were like, wouldn't mind seeing the Red Sox tie the game, and that meant the leadoff batter would be Aaron Judge, and then he would hit a walk-off home run to win the game. And so there was a weird sense of disappointment amongst Yankee fans when they got that final out to win the game against the Red Sox. You couldn't help but think that along the way. Now, a couple of games came about that were, you know, they're on the verge of something truly interesting to behold in the wild card race. By the way, friend of the podcast, Jeff Cohen, uh, thanks for the letter. I really appreciate it. Uh, says, isn't it late to podcast? It's never too late to podcast. What am I supposed to be doing? Reading a book? What am I supposed to do? Spending quality time with my children? What am I supposed to do? Surf on Netflix? Maybe watch that Jeffrey Dahmer film? What a podcast. See how it works? Now, an interesting thing was about to happen. Baltimore was one strike away from defeating the Houston Astros. And Baltimore has had Houston's number in this series with a couple of shutouts. And the Mariners could not get out of their own way. They loaded the bases one inning, couldn't score. They got first and third one inning, couldn't score. And it looked like they were on the verge of losing. If the Mariners had lost that game, which that game went into the ninth inning tied, and Baltimore had won their game, and they were one strike away from doing exactly that, the Orioles would have pulled to within two games of a playoff spot. The Orioles were about, and I'm going to paraphrase Nuklelouch in Bull Durham, they were about to announce their presence with authority and maybe put that seed of doubt in Seattle Mariners' minds of, oh, my God. We really haven't been in the postseason since 2001. And then suddenly the Astros rallied and wound up defeating Baltimore. They went on a wild two-out rally in Camden Yards. And the Mariners finally got that big hit that they need. They got it in the ninth inning in Kansas City. And with that, Seattle opened up a four-game lead. Instead of it, it were on the verge of it being a two-game lead, and it suddenly became a four-game lead. That's how fast things can swing. So there you go, Jeff Cohen. You're asking me why I'm podcasting this late at night. It's because stuff is happening. And the elimination number, a combination of Mariners victories and Baltimore losses equaling eight will finally put Seattle in the postseason. I think Baltimore is just a little bit short right now. A little bit short. And because of that, I think Seattle's going to clinch. And there was a news today came about, and yes, they, they do have Julio Rodriguez is injured. It does stink there, Jeff Cohen. Uh, he met, he mentioned that on the, the, the uh, what's it called? The chat there. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, you, you got to hope he's back. got to hope he's on the field. Uh, one piece of inter- interesting information came about with uh, it looks like Tony LaRusso is not coming back next year. I don't know what's going. I mean, he obviously he left because of health reasons, and and there was rumors he might be coming back. He's not a spring chicken anymore. I thought it was a mistake to come back anyway, 
He did get one more trip to the postseason. Last year's division winner was Chicago. This Chicago team, um, I mean, it was a bad fit for this year. It was a huge disappointment. A lot of people, including I, thought they were going to win the division. Um, and it looks like LaRusso's career is finally over. And look, at I didn't think he, I, I didn't think it was the right choice for this White Sox team, but there is no getting around the fact that he is a all-time great manager. It's funny he's retiring for good, the same time Albert Pujols is retiring for good, and they were he was Pujols's manager, obviously, for the first big chunk of his career. And you know, it's I mean, the White Sox are going to move on. I wonder having a new manager. And not having that hang over the team might really uh, help matters out going into 2023. Now, there are, of course, there's going to be rumors floating around. Hey, let's bring, uh, you know, Joe Madden in to bring the other Chicago team to a World Series championship. Um, I think they should stay with Cairo. I mean, Cairo's done a, Cairo's done as good a job as you could hope for. And maybe, just maybe, having uh, Miguel Cairo, uh, someone who the team knows, a baseball lifer, someone you know who was considered a smart player when he was there, he might be the right guy for this team. And he's already there, and he already has you know he's already got his training wheels on, managing the team this final month of the season. So you know, there's a ton of talent on the White Sox team. It was a huge disappointment, but I would keep Miguel Cairo and go forward that way. I would just and, and I would make him the manager right now. Just end any speculation. You are the manager for 2023. But I think Rocco Baldelli is gonna see the door. You know, the he did a fine job when he took over the twins a few years ago and they met to the playoffs a couple of times and won hundred games under his leadership. But they don't they didn't bring in Carlos Correa this year to finish sub 500. They were tied for first place uh, just three weeks ago. And they're going to finish sub 500 this year. And, I mean, if I were the Twins, I would contact Joe Madden. Why not? But I would just take a good long look around and sort of open up your network and try to hire the right people to get the best people for your job for as the manager of the Minnesota Twins. Which brings us to LinkedIn. These days, every new potential hire can feel like a high-stakes wager for your small business. You could be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available. And that's why you need to check out LinkedIn. Now, LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the right people for your team. Here's what you do. You can add your job with a purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're hiring. Simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to hire and interview. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus the leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash lockdownmlb. That's linkedin.com slash lockdownmlb 
to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Hey, um, lots of amazing games are going to be happening. But, you know, sometimes you know, the, the big event right now, because, you know, the, the American League is all but sewn up. It's mainly right now about jockeying for position. If the Orioles had pulled to within two games, then, you know, at that, then you'd start to say, okay, something wild is about to happen. But there's, there's like, what, 11 games left? And you have four games between Seattle and Baltimore for that spot? That's a lot of games to make up in a small amount of time. Now, in the National League, give some credit for the Milwaukee Brewers who are in a four-game winning streak and are breathing down the neck only two games back in the loss column of both San Diego and Philadelphia. Now, San Diego leapfrogged Philadelphia for the second wildcard spot. So right now, the Phillies are precariously close to Milwaukee. If Philadelphia, now let's go to the, the, the Phillies are playing Atlanta, who, by the way, uh, we'll get to them in just a second, but they're playing uh, uh, on Sunday, being today, Philadelphia plays Atlanta, okay? Milwaukee plays Cincinnati, okay? So the uh, if Philadelphia loses to Atlanta, Charlie Morton's pitching for Atlanta, Gibson's pitching for Philadelphia. If Atlanta wins that game and the Brewers beat the Cincinnati Reds, then guess what, folks? Then there's only half a game separating the Milwaukee Brewers and a trip to the postseason. If San Diego also loses to the Rockies, then it could turn into a scrum. But one thing you can't do is you can't look at it and go, well, this team's obviously going to beat that team. Because, uh, you know, this team's great and they're throwing a great pitcher and this team stinks and they can't do anything. Because as Jeff Cohen will point out, Jacob deGrom went up against the Mets, uh, he went up against the Oakland A's on Saturday and the Mets staked into an early three-run lead. The A's were down three runs before they even came to bat. And they had to face Jacob deGrom who's been pitching like, well, Jacob DeGrom. So naturally, the A's scored four runs right away and basically, after the top of the first inning, outscored the Mets 10-1! to If there was any game you would have gone to bet online, and they didn't even buy ad space for today's show, if there was any game you would have gone to bet online and just liquidate everything you own, say put it all on the Mets to beat Oakland, and you wouldn't expect a 10-4 final, 10-4 going towards Oakland. So you can't look at these games and say, well, they're clearly, you know, clearly Milwaukee's going to beat the Reds because the Reds stink. Well, the Reds are also a Major League Baseball team. And maybe they don't want to be told that they stink. So some interesting things can definitely come about if Milwaukee wins, if San Diego loses. If Philadelphia loses, you could potentially have that scrum for that one last playoff ticket because Atlanta's clearly going to be the lead wildcard team. But the main thing that's happening that gets everyone's attention is Judge, right? Judge is going to be 
on everyone's mind is can he hit a home run against Boston? Can he hit two home runs against Boston? Hell, will he hit three? Now, the game's going to be on ESPN. That's pretty easy to find, although you can't watch it on your app. Allison Mitchell, who's been a guest on the show, the infield fly girl, posted a thing about walking into several sports bars in Seattle trying to find the game to catch. It was either trying to catch the Pujols home run or home run chase or Judge's home run chase. And she went to several bars, sports bars in Seattle, and none of them had Apple TV where the game was playing. I don't have Apple TV. I I know only a handful of people who have Apple TV. I have paid for my MLB app to be able to watch games on there. Here's the deal. I've made this point before, but we have baseball games that people are clamoring to want to see. They want to see these historic events. Now's not the time to be playing the shell game. You should always know where the heck something is. Now, if they want to expand their audience and put it on here or put it on there, YouTube, Apple TV, Twitter, wherever you want to put it, that's fine to try to get new eyeballs on there. But here's the deal. If you are paying a subscription, which I am and a lot of you are, then you should be able to see every game. Yes, the local games too. F blackouts. That money for my, you know, you want to, you got a premium one. Premium MLB, where you get your local games and any game that's on ESPN or Apple TV or whatever. Apple TV and everything would be advertising on, on the MLB app. Maybe you might say, hey, maybe I want to subscribe to Apple TV. But if you're already paying a subscription, don't alienate your fans. What you're trying to do is to create an event. Remember how I said baseball needs to be more like the Marvel movies? Wasn't that long ago making a movie like Guardians of the Galaxy or Black Panther or hell, the Avengers films would have been considered an act of insanity. Those are nerdy films. We're not going to spend tons of money on nerdy films until they figured out people wanted to have this communal experience. They wanted to see what all the nerds were having fun watching. And then everyone's watching Endgame with those little Doctor Strange portals coming out. Hey, here comes Falcon. That was a cool scene. All the Spider-Men, Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield coming out of those little holes. Great. And everyone cheered. Everyone wanted to be part of that. Baseball has to, to realize they have the capability to do that, especially right now about the excitement of seeing a home run number 700 or home runs 61 and 62. You're having those happen simultaneously. Where people who aren't that interested in baseball want to get, could get hooked on that. If you want to throw it on Apple TV or some of these other places to maybe find some of those new eyeballs, fine, but don't alienate the people who are the main eyeballs who you want to have create that experience. You pay for a subscription, you should be able to get all the games. Not a hard concept. I didn't lose you money. I gained you money, and I gained you fans. Let's stop this nonsense. There's another day where I'm on a little bit of my my, my soapbox. Um, uh, it's like uh, 
Uh, someone just said here was David said, wrote, um, Sully F blackouts me. Yikes. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, Jeff Cohen wrote, um, pay for games should see the games. Absolutely. Uh, I want to say something, you know, the illusion of baseball existing in the past, present and future. There's a lot of times the timelessness of baseball is an illusion, but it's one of the things that create the romance. Hell, look at what we're when we're talking about, like Pujols going for seven hundred. We we'll talk about Ruth and Aaron, and yes, Bonds. We talk about the Maris sons being there to watch Aaron Judge pass their dad. There's a sense that the past is still there. The ghosts are still hovering over the games. It's one of the things that makes the game unique. And sometimes you get a roundhouse punch to the face when you see a part of the game is done. I mentioned I'm an Emmy-nominated television producer. I got my Emmy nomination when I was a producer at KQED in San Francisco. I was a producer there. We produced, I worked on several different shows there, and uh, I got a nomination for my work producing on talk shows there. Why am I bringing that up? Because the offices and the studios of KQED in San Francisco were right down the street from a Safeway uh, grocery store and Office Depot and at the time a Blockbuster video. That shopping center there was the site of Seals Stadium, which is where the San Francisco Seals played for many, many years. Joe DiMaggio was a San Francisco Seal, so was Tony Lazeri. And then when the Giants moved from New York to San Francisco, while they were building the awful Candlestick Park, they played their first few years at Seal Stadium. So Willie Mays and Willie McCovey and Orlando Cepeda also played at that stadium. When I was working at KQED, there were very few markers to signify that that was once the stadium. Since then, the new Giants managers come in and they put a big plaque there. I'm glad that they have. At the time, it was a it was not obvious that that's where a stadium was. But one of the clues that you had that something important baseball-wise took place there was right across the street. It was the double play bar and grill. I remember watching part of the 2006. I worked there in 05 and 06 at KQED. Uh, part of the 2006 American League Championships Series between Detroit and Oakland, I watched from there. But the reason I loved going there was it was a great sports bar. They had good bar food and everything like that. But they had all this amazing memorabilia from Seal Stadium, including the bell that was used there, pictures, seats, seat cushions, programs from the Pacific Coast League and the, the initial years of the Giants. It was like a, it was, you know, remember how the Hard Rock Cafe would have all sorts of like guitars and everything like that on the wall? Well, that's kind of what this was like, except for Seal Stadium. And it was one, and I was, I worked right down the block. So think about all the time that uh, I, um, that I would go there. And um, I just got something from, by the way, another great follow which is called Lost Ballparks, which is a great uh, website and also a wonderful podcast. Um, and they reported something on their site, which was there was a fire at the double day, the double play uh, bar and grill, and uh, in San Francisco, uh, it was. It's been open since 1909. 
and the fire was there and many of the pieces of memorabilia are now lost and the bar is burnt down and uh you know it almost reminds me of that scene from the right stuff when the the bar with the photographs of all the pilots who died burned down in the sense that those the memories of those pilots are gone forever and for so many fans the double play bar and grill in san francisco became like the last remembrance of the seals and that particular region being the hub of san francisco baseball for several generations and that's gone timelessness is an illusion time is real time stops for nobody nostalgia is always something that is uh, a powerful emotion that we want to cling to but it goes away the records are passed stadiums are destroyed and ultimately the memorabilia can burn in a fire but we move on as sad as it is to lose the double play bar and grill in san francisco and those memories of the seals you know that were so beautifully displayed there are gone we move on to create new memories and have new heroes and pretty soon we're going to line up a brand new playoff lineup and who knows maybe some other place in san francisco will open up and be a memoriam to the seals it just was the perfect place it was there forever and it seemed like as long as the double play bar and grill was there the seals were still somewhat there and now it's gone but do you know what something that's not going to be gone is my love even doing it this late at night jeff cohen of doing a podcast so uh follow us at locked on mlb pods on twitter and at instagram and i'm your pal sully you can follow me at Sully Baseball on Twitter, Sully Baseball Podcast on Instagram. Hey, thanks to who's in the who's in the chat right now? Jeff Cohen is still there. David Samuel Blaine is still there. Who else is still there? Is uh, Jace Pierce still there? Is Jace Pierce is still there. Thanks everyone who are is watching. I see there's a bunch of other ones too. Thanks everyone who's watching us on the live stream. Uh, I don't always announce when I'm coming on, so keep it subscribe to us on YouTube. And you'll get notifications of when I'm live. Hop on and join in the chat. If not, you can watch us on YouTube, as some of you are right now. Or you can listen to us on your earbuds wherever you get your podcasts. Talk about the stunning turn of events on Saturday and lamenting the loss of the Double Play Bar and Grill. This has been Locked On MLB for the 25th day. It's almost October of September 2022. I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully.